We're in our Crossroad series, Life at the Crossroad. We began it last week in the book of Proverbs. We're going to be spending time in July uh, in the book of Proverbs in this Life at the Crossroad series. Uh, how many of you know what this is? Bubble wrap, yes. Well, it is a solar bubble, but it's kind of bubble wrap, though. <laughs> it is used for that. Uh, of pools, but it's uh, when I walked down the hall this morning, one of the little kids came up to me and started popping these things, right? Because that's what's the most fun with it, right? But what we really use it for mostly is we wrap it around things that are valuable to us, uh, and maybe for shipping, maybe, and uh, and hope. I'll wrap it around this this morning as a visual, I guess, in hopes that they don't get broken, right? That's the intention, right? We put these things around this, we wrap it in it. Maybe you have fine china, maybe you have things around your house that you wrap up when you move in your hopes that they don't get broken. And I, wouldn't it be great if you and I could walk through life with bubble wrap around us in some ways, that we would walk around at times and protect us from getting broken and getting hurt. Uh, but we don't have that luxury and we don't have that... Uh, in our lives an opportunity. The truth is that as you and I walk through life, we are at times going to walk into pain and painful and painful things and even difficult things. And I see a couple people nodding your head because you know it's true, right? You, uh, if you've been walking on this earth for any significant amount of time, you know you're not going to walk very long without walking into some pain and some difficulty. And even the people that you might look at and you think, oh, their life is all together. They've got it all together. They've got everything they could possibly want. If you sat down and talked with them, you would find that they have also walked into some pain in their lives. Because it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what family you were born into. It doesn't matter how much power or prestige, you're going to walk into pain. I was watching a documentary about a month back on the Kennedy family recounting the uh, time that uh, John Jr.'s plane went down off Martha's Vineyard. And I had forgotten all the details about that, but it just reminded me that this family, this Camelot, as many people look at, look, they have, the, they have everything. They have the power, they have the prestige, they have the money, they have everything. And yet, how much pain over the years has fallen into this family? Many of it, much of it, very public. And you can't walk through life very long without walking into pain. And when you do, it actually raises questions for all humans. You know, why is this happening? How could it have been avoided? You know, well, why is this happening to me at times? And those questions would come up in the mind of anybody. But if you're a God follower and a believer in God, you're a Christian then you have even more questions that might pop into your mind. What does this pain say about God and who God is? What does it say about me? I have more than once sat down with someone who's experiencing some level of pain, and the questions that come up are, why is God doing this to me? Why is this happening to me? What, what, what did I do that, God, that, that this would happen in my life? Why? It often comes up, you know, what does this say about God? Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't care about me or think about me. 
These are the questions that often come up. And if you're a new follower of Jesus Christ, a young believer, they can even cause faith crises. But Jesus talked about this in a parable he, uh, we call the parable of the sower. He said sometimes there will be people who will come and respond to the message of salvation, but they don't grow deep roots. And so when trouble comes in, they walk away. They run away. Because when trouble is coming, they say, ah, how is it that I can be following Jesus? How is it that I can follow God? And now trouble's in my life. Forget it. There must be something else. I didn't sign up for this. But there are others that Jesus said that the worries of this life will begin to choke out your faith. The things you're concerned about and worried about all of a sudden threaten your faith. But pain will come. Even for the mature Christian, when pain comes into your life, you may say, well, I don't know what's going on. You may not have a crisis of your faith, but you still are wondering, what is God doing? Why does this happen? As for the uh, sources of uh, pain in this world, uh, traditionally through history, Christianity has looked at three main enemies of, of people and of life and sources of pain, and they're most easily defined in these three words, the world, the flesh, and the devil. That if you look at a lot of the pain in your life, it oftentimes goes back to one of these three things. Uh, the world, the fact that we live in a world that is touched and tainted by sin at every corner in every place. There's nothing in this world that's not touched by the fact that sinful humans live in. Everything from government structures. I mean, that's the people down in Venezuela right now. We're experiencing exponential inflation and starvation. And the people in Yemen who are experiencing a huge humanitarian crisis because of a war-torn nation, or the people in North Korea who have no freedom. And they would say, yeah, the world, just, the, just living in the world, just being born into a sinful world, brings pain to our lives. Or think about it, let me run the illustration or analogy throughout these of a parent to a child. The child that walks around the house and is just learning to walk and trips over something left in the floor, just the nature of being in the world. Or maybe an electrical socket that's not properly covered. Just the nature of being in a dangerous world can have consequences and pain. But then there's the flesh. And the flesh, when the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not necessarily this. It means that earthly part of us that is contrary to the spiritual part of us, that part of us that longs to do our own thing and make ourselves God and live completely for ourselves, the flesh. Because the truth is, it's not just greedy governments that cause pain. There's greed in me, in you. It's not just countries that go to war and are angry. It's anger in me. It's the flesh. There's that part of me that also causes problems and can cause problems for myself. My desires that I choose to follow can at times bring pain into my life. I go back to that child who's maybe not a toddler walking around the room, but it's a teenager on their bike and thinks, oh, I can jump that creek. 
goes, backs up, gets a running start, hits that jump, makes it almost all the way across. Goes face down in the midst of that creek and you feel the pain of your choices in that moment. But sometimes pain in my life is felt because of the choices that I make. And then the Bible talks about a third thing, that's the devil. That there is a spiritual realm a very real devil that's an enemy of God that hates everything that God loves. And that includes you and me. Because God sent his son to die for you and he loves you and the devil hates everything God loves. And there's this spiritual and demonic realm that we can sometimes choose to ignore or pretend that doesn't exist, but the Bible says that would be foolish of us because there's a spiritual realm that goes on where things happen that we should be praying about and aware of. And there are some things in your life that come into your life because there's a devil that hates you and doesn't want you following God and he's not about using pain to keep you from God. The world, the flesh, and the devil, three sources of pain. But there's another one that I want to talk to you about this morning that sometimes we don't think about. And maybe sometimes we discount and maybe we forget about it, but nevertheless can at times be the reason we experience pain in our lives. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 3 with me. Proverbs chapter 3. If you don't have the Bible with you this morning, you can uh, take one out of the chair. It should be one in the chair rack either in front of you, behind you, or not far from you. And Proverbs chapter 3 will be on page 528 in, um, in the Bible that's in your chair there. I believe they're all the same. So, uh, page 528 in the Bible in your chair will be in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11 uh, this morning. And there's another thing that I think is a source of pain at times in our lives that sometimes we don't think about. And this is what Proverbs 3, verse 11 says. And again, Proverbs is a father giving advice and giving wisdom to his son. This is a genre God has used to give us his truth. Uh, through these Proverbs, and, uh, and here's what verse 11 says. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Discipline. A discipline from God. It's not something we often think about when pain comes into our lives. It's maybe not something we want to think about as a source of a certain pain in our lives, that it may come from God. But this passage and other passages like it at least says that one of the sources of pain in our lives might be God's discipline. And discipline is painful. Keep your finger in Proverbs chapter 3 and, and, and turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you to keep your finger in both of these because we're going to go back and forth. Or put your connect card there as a marker. We're going to go back and forth between these two passages today. Hebrews chapter 12 is on page 1008 in your Bible there. 1008 Hebrews chapter 12. And the reason I'm going to Hebrews is because Hebrews is a New Testament passage written a couple thousand years after the Proverbs, but it quotes Proverbs 3, this verse we just looked at, and so it gives a bit of commentary on it, and we'll look at that in a moment. But for now, I just want you to look at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, and here's what it says. For the moment, 
all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. For the moment, all discipline is painful rather than pleasant. So that means that sometimes when you experience some pain in your life, that it is discipline for God. Because all discipline is painful, and God at times disciplines uh, people and those who follow him. And so that means sometimes pain, pain in my life is discipline from God. And we go back to our parent-child illustration. It's true, right, that it feels painful at the moment. I don't always know it, that God's doing something for my benefit. Because I take my kids to the doctor at times. And when they're young and they have to, and they get those shots, and they don't understand anything other than the pain. All they know is something just happened that was not pleasant. And I can't explain to the three-year-old that now you don't have to worry about polio. Like, oh, thanks, you know. I don't understand that. All they know is I just experienced something very painful. And my parents stood there and watched. Well, I experienced something very painful. The discipline from God can be similar, right? I just experienced something painful, and God is supposed to be with me, watching me. So what's the deal? Sometimes pain in our lives would be experienced because of discipline. What the Father is saying to the Son of Proverbs, and what the writer of Hebrews is saying to the church that's being persecuted is this. You will have a temptation to misascribe some pain in your life. You will have a temptation to misinterpret pain that comes into your life. Your temptation will be to say, this can't be of God. Your temptation will be to say, no way is God in this. This is just a pain I need to pray against, I need to get rid of. God's not in this. Your temptation might be, if you're an Christian, to say, well, God doesn't love me and God doesn't care about me. Your temptation might be to run away from God. And yet this passage says it might be that in this pain that God is not only in it and using it, but has also brought it on. For your discipline. That's not always easy for us to hear. So what is it God wants us to learn in the midst of our discipline? Two quick points for you this morning that I want us to hear. The first one is this. When you experience pain as a result of God's discipline in your life, you can be sure that God is at work. When you experience pain as a result of God's discipline in your life, you can be sure that God is at work. Back to Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read verses 8 through 10. It says this, if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, the loving parent, the one, the, the, the parent that disciplines 
disciplines the child is at work in their life for their good. And so why would we expect that God the Father would not at times be at work in our lives disciplining us for our good? Even though it's painful at times. There's a verse that many Christians in times of pain go to for help and comfort, and it's one that I've used often and I share with people. Maybe it's one that if you've been following God for a while, you have used as well. It's Romans 8, chapter 28, and it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And that, there is comfort in that. I don't know about you, but I have gone to that verse many times. And I have shared that verse with people many times in times of difficulty. God is at work. He's working all things together for good. And this, whatever this is in your life, is included in the all things. Whatever this is, God has included this in all things, and he is at work in the midst of it. And God is at work, but it might be painful. Because sometimes we read 8.28 and we forget about 8.29. And Romans chapter 8.29 says this, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So yes, God works all things together for good, but he has a goal, and that's that you might be like Jesus. Well, what happened to Jesus? Jesus experienced some pain. Jesus experienced difficulty and persecution. He tells you to love your enemies. He tells you to pray for those who persecute you, and that's not always pleasant. Last week, we talked about this idea that there's a difference between good advice and godly wisdom. You have a lot of people in your life that are willing to give you good advice. And good advice for someone who may not follow God usually is founded in three things. Well, does it minimize pain? Does it maximize comfort? And does it help you look good in the eyes of other people? And it's usually most people's, that's the best you can hope for maybe in life. For some people, is does it minimize pain? Does it maximize comfort? And does it help you look good in the eyes of other people? Well, godly wisdom that wants you conformed to the image of Jesus at times is going to not minimize pain. In fact, uh, you might experience some pain. It's not going to maximize your comfort at times. In fact, it's a life of self-denial life of taking up your cross following Jesus. And it's not a life that's always going to make you look good in the eyes of others. In fact, the Jesus we follow was mocked and killed and crucified for the proclamations he was making about God and salvation. And this is the Jesus we follow. And so God is at work in your life, but it's not always, that doesn't mean that you're not going to experience pain. In fact, the very opposite, the pain you might be experiencing is evidence that God is at work in your life. The second thing is this, when you experience pain as a result of God's discipline in your life, you can be sure that God loves you. 
When you experience pain as a result of God's discipline in your life, you can be sure that God loves you. You say, how do you know that? Well, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3. We read verse 11. Let's read verse 12. I'm going to read 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Okay, we got that. But verse 12 says this. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. The writer of Proverbs says that this thing in your life that you feel is pain, that you think means God doesn't love you, is just the opposite. That when you are and I receive the discipline of the Lord in our lives, and discipline is teaching, training, correcting, when we receive that, it's because he does love us. And yet we often at times take the very opposite message. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 again. I'll show you exactly where these verses are quoted. I'm going to read from verse 3. Consider him who endured. So here's what's going on in Hebrews. The writer is writing to early Christians who are being persecuted for following Jesus. And they are experiencing this pain. And some of them are being tempted to abandon their faith. And so here's what... Here's what the writer says. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He's saying, consider Jesus. You think you're being persecuted. You think you're experiencing difficulty for following Jesus. Well, consider Jesus himself, the God you're following, what he experienced. And then it goes on to say, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the of shedding blood, reminding you that Jesus did shed his blood in his battle against the sin of the world around him. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addressed you as sons? And here's where he quotes Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're a parent, it's much easier not to discipline than to discipline. And in the moment, much more fun. It's much easier to just walk away, pretend, throw your hands up, and not do anything about it. But the long-term consequences aren't worth it, and it's not in line not only with your goals, but it's not in line with your love. But the easier thing is not the discipline in the moment. But the reason you do the harder thing, and it's a little harder just to punch, right? A little bit harder to say, you know, go stay over there. Just, just go sit over there until I, you know, until I say you can come out, right? That's his punishment. But it's even harder to discipline because discipline has the goal of correction and teaching. It's not just punishment. It has the goal of correction and teaching and leading in the right direction. And it's much easier not to discipline. It's easier just to punish, but it's hard to discipline. To give someone what they need in the moment, but it's the loving thing to do. If I see my child continually going the wrong direction, continually doing things that are harmful for them, and I just sit back and do nothing about it, I would not be allowed to be neglectful. 
I would not want to love him. And yet at times, why is it that we come to God and expect, well, don't let me experience any pain, God, but what if that pain is keeping you, is correcting you, is rebuking you, is helping you walk in the right direction? It would be the poor coach who stands on the sidelines watching the player make the same mistake over and over and over again without offering correction. You know, the coach that stands on the sidelines says, well, you know, if I correct him, it will probably be uncomfortable for him. I think about, you know, my kids are uh, trying to teach them how to golf, and mostly so I can get out golfing more, but I'm trying to teach them, and we're playing, and the golf swing, if you ever golfing, is a very uncomfortable thing. It's not natural. Uh, when you sit there and you take a swing and you've got to keep that, you know, that left arm straight, you just want to bend it. It's much more comfortable to bend it. But it results in a poor golf swing. And you've got to tell them, you've got to keep that arm straight. Well, I don't like keeping it. It's uncomfortable. I know it's uncomfortable. But it's going to be better. It's going to help you achieve the goal that you're trying to accomplish. But it's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. I am. But it's going to help you get where you want to go. This is the loving coach that would do that. It's the loving father that would do that. And it's the loving God. We say, well, this is uncomfortable. Well, I don't want to do this. This is painful. I know. But it's going to get you where you want to go and where I want you to go. It's going to conform you to the image of my son. But at times, we can look at it and say, I don't want that pain. I know. But it's going to get you where you need to go. And I would be unloving if I didn't put this in your life. Well, I don't want to confess my faults to someone else. That's uncomfortable, I know. But it's going to get you where you need to go. And this is the reality that God brings to us. So there are times in your life where you'll experience it. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, we are not necessarily doubting that God will do the best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. Not true. Times, oh yeah, God changed me, but not too quickly and not too hard. God made me into all you want me to be, but please don't make it hurt. It's true, right? We, I don't doubt that at times God wants the best for me, but I do wonder how painful that best might be. But it happens. And so, what do we do in response to a message like this? What do we do in response to uh, what God is telling us? How do we walk in discipline? How do we receive this and not cause us to run away from God, but to run towards God. Well, I think we can change some of our questions. Beginning, I said, our questions that we often ask are why, or why me, or why doesn't God, you know, why is this happening to me, why does God do this? You know, those are some of the questions I think we often have. Why doesn't God love me? But let's Ask some better questions. Maybe these are better questions to ask in the midst of our pain. Lord, what are you teaching me? To what end? Or how do I become more like Jesus through this? 
that maybe these are better questions to ask when we are asking those questions. And I say, Lord, what are you teaching me? What does this teach me about you and about me? Is there something you are trying to say to me that I have not been hearing? And this is the only way I can hear. Lord, what do you want me to learn? Is a much more helpful question. Because the reality is it's coming to our life. And if God is committed to us becoming more like Jesus, then God is going to use whatever comes to our life for that end. Now you might be wondering, well, yeah, that's fine, but how do I distinguish when the pain is a discipline of God or when it's a result of the world, the flesh, and the devil? How do I distinguish these things? How do I know when God is disciplining and leading me enough to receive that? And how do I know when it's the world, the flesh, and the devil? Well, I will say it's difficult, I think, from our perspective to discern that. But I will also say that I think God is going to use everything in your life to teach you about him and to make you more like him. I think the right question is always to ask, God, what are you teaching me through this? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you seek out or remain in unnecessarily painful situations or abusive situations. You know, Paul, at one time, he's writing to slaves, and he says, look, if you can gain your slavery, if you can gain your freedom, gain it. Don't stay a slave. If you can gain your freedom, gain it. But if you can't, you live for God in the midst of that situation that you're in. But every painful situation that might find you, God will not waste your pain. God will use it to make you more like him. I mean, think about it. Even at the very basis, the very basic uh, of, of the issue, even if it's just something that falls into your life that is a disease or a sickness, and you say, what good could possibly come out of this? At the very least, it reminds me, I need God. At the very least, it reminds me, I need to be dependent upon you, Lord. I'm not in control. At the very least, it reminds me that I need you, Lord. And I'm supposed to be living completely dependent upon you. And if I needed this to get that lesson, Lord, then help me to receive that lesson in my life. Ask better questions. Instead of why or why me, the question of, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Lord, what can I learn about you through this painful experience? It happens in our lives where God is teaching us and leading us always. I believe he is. God is always at work. And God loves you. And even in the midst of pain, he's working in your life. Theologian D.A. Carson, as we come to a close here, he talks about um, this passage in Hebrews and God's discipline and suffering. And he gives an example that I found helpful, and maybe you'll find this helpful as well. He says, picture this, a godly woman in her middle years is diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. What is God doing? Carson says, my little brain can imagine several things that God might be doing. At one level, he may be providentially allowing 
the effects of the fall to take their course as a constant reminder that it's appointed to all of us to die and face judgment. He may be preparing her for eternity. It is great grace to know when you're going to die and prepare for it. He may be shocking her 20-something son, who is living his life indifferent to the gospel, to prod him into self-examination and repentance. He may be using her testimony about the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of suffering, to call another of her children into vocational ministry. He may be using her as a way to teach people in her church what it looks like to die well, anticipating several other deaths in the next two years. He may be teaching her minister husband to slow down and care about his family and in principle other people instead of being endlessly busy with he may be sparing her of living long enough to witness the moral destruction of her daughter. Her funeral may be the means by which several of her unconverted relatives for whom she has been praying will come to faith, conversions for which she would happily give her life. Perhaps one of those converts will become a Christian pastor of rare gift whose ministry of proclamation will touch thousands. Perhaps she is hiding some deep bitterness and hate in her life that God is using this as a means to confront her. Carson concludes saying, I've barely started to list all the possibilities God may be doing, and I have a small brain. What does the omniscient God think he is doing? In other words, sometimes we have to cover our mouths and confess in faith that we cannot possibly grasp all that God is doing when someone suffers. So why should we think in antithetical terms about how God must be doing this and not that? When in reality, he may be doing this, and that, and that, and that, and that. For he sent his son, he loves us, and he sent his son to suffer on our behalf. And so he's at work. When we quickly assign meaning to an event as God not caring, or God can't work through this, we can miss what God is doing. And the truth that God is at work and that God loves us. Choosing the path of discipline is never easy and never disappointing. It's true in mind. Choosing the path of discipline, it's not an easy one. It's said quite clearly in Hebrews, we read it at the beginning. It's not pleasant, it's painful. Not denying that. But it's also the means that a loving God uses to make you more into the image of his son, to make you more like Jesus, to make you more into the person you were created to be. And in that place, you will find your chief joy. And in that place, you will find that you are fully known and fully loved. In that place, you will find those things that you are looking for, even in the midst of your pain. So I'm going to ask our music ministry to come back, and we're going to allow some time to respond to God's word as we close out our service and worship and prayer. And I just ask you to take a moment, maybe bow your head, close your eyes, just consider the word that we have considered together. And let me ask you this question. Is it just you and God? Take a moment to reflect. Listen to the Holy Spirit, who I believe is at work in your heart and my heart, speaking to you, leading you. 
reminding you maybe of thoughts or things in your life and in your heart. Let me ask you this question. Have you assigned meaning about God to a painful event without considering God's work and love in and through that event? Maybe this morning you need to change the question. Maybe this morning is the time you need to change the question from God, why? God, why me? God, why don't you love me? To God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what lesson do you want me to learn? God, what is it I can learn about you through this time? God, what is it I need to understand about myself in this time? A few years back, there used to be a real popular WWJD. It was a bracelet there. What would Jesus do? I think a better question is what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing in your life? What is Jesus doing in the midst of your pain? What is Jesus doing in the midst of this hurt? What is Jesus doing in the midst of this lost dream or this unfulfilled dream that you have or this missed opportunity that you perceive as painful or maybe perceived as God not active and God not loving? And yet this morning, God is asking you to consider that maybe it's the exact opposite. That God is at work and He loves you. And He has something for you to learn about yourself and about Him in the midst of this. So, as we sing this song of worship, I invite you to ask God to search your heart and help you to change the question. Father, speak to us and lead us. Lord, help us, Lord. We have feeble, finite, and small minds, and we assign all this meaning to things, and yet we don't have near the picture that you have. So teach us and lead us, Lord, what you are doing. Show us, God, what you are trying to teach us. We thank you that you are not just God, that you have shown yourself to be a loving Father. And as that, we should expect that you will lead us, teach us, instruct us, yes, discipline us. Not because you don't love us, but because you do. So help us to understand and trust you even in the midst of our pain. In Jesus' name.